0: Good morning. And I sense you guys are here to worship, worship Jesus. Do you believe what we've sang, that He is worthy? He is blessing? It's the challenge is to move that from our heads to our hearts, to really believe that, to truly believe that. Well, welcome to those who are joining us online. We're so thankful that you're joining us in spirit, and we pray that you sense God's presence like we do in this place. So thankful for you guys. I'm uh, so excited for um, diving into the fourth word this morning, the fourth command. Uh, When Tom and I talked, I said, Tom, I'm going to need three hours this morning. So buckle up. (laughs) No, God's working on me. I love His word. I love what it does to me, and I pray that it does the same to you. Uh, Working through the Ten Commandments, uh, the Jews referred to it as the Ten Words, um, there's a danger because uh, we need to read this a certain way. As Christians, we're not under the law. We're in Christ. And there's a big difference. We're not under the law. We're in Christ. Praise God. (laughs) Praise God for Jesus. He fulfilled the law, and He makes it alive in us, in our hearts. And if you're here this morning, and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, uh, there's no more important thing you could ever receive is Jesus Christ. He came into this world as God's Son. He was crucified for our sin, for the sins of this world. We sang about the brokenness of this world. Jesus was crucified because He wanted to take upon Himself the curse. The, the devastation that sin has brought to our world. He brought it upon Himself, and His blood was innocent blood that cleanses us of all sin. And so in Him is forgiveness, in Him is healing, in Him is redemption, in Him is hope. And that is what this world needs. It's what I need. That's what we need. We need hope, and He gives it to us. And so it's in His crucifixion and His resurrection that He rose again to give us life, to give us that blessing that we sing about. God's intention was always to bless, and that's why we've titled this sermon series, From Slaves to Children. God's in the rescuing business. His purpose is to rescue. His purpose is to save. Jesus said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Wow, what good news that God comes to save us. And so from slaves to children, the word of the covenant. God wants a relationship with us, and so these commandments, these words that He gives us are all about relationship. It's all about how do we live with God and Him with us so that we can dwell in His presence. His purpose is to bless us with His presence. And so as we begin to uh, and continue to walk through these, we need to remember who we are and what God is revealing to us. He begins the Ten Commandments with a story. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery and that's the purpose, the story of God. He reveals to us a certain order, and I think it's interesting. Um, I praise God for science, and we've discovered so much about this world, but one of the things that scientists have discovered as they observe is that there's an order to our world, the created order, and scientists, as they observe, have come up to, and not come up, but come to understand that there's certain laws. If I throw something in the air, it will fall to the ground, and so we call it the law of gravity. And there's many laws that that govern the created order. And I don't think there's any greater testimony to the existence of God than the fact that creation declares His glory. It declares an order it declares a purpose. And so we see that. We observe that. And in the same way, in the Ten Commandments, we see a, a created order for relationships, for human existence, for an order for how we are to live. Um, a phrase I read about this I thought was really profound. It's it's a grounding in a sacred order. It's a grounding. We began this series talking about a foundation. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said we build our lives on a foundation, right? If we hear God's words and we put them into practice, it's like a man who builds on a foundation of stone, right? That can withstand the storm. In this world, there's lots of storms. And so God gives us a grounding in a sacred order. And so in the Ten Commandments, we see an order, a prioritization of how we are to live and what's important and so we begin the Ten Commandments with God, right? You shall have no other gods before me. God is the first. He is the foundation. He has revealed Himself as the creator, the giver of all things. Everything that exists comes from Him, and He alone is worthy of worship above all other things, all other gods. And so we believe in the Scripture revealed the sacred order that God has revealed, that He is God alone, and in the beginning, He created. He is the creator. And so we as human beings, it has been revealed to us in Genesis, are created in His image, in His likeness. And so God comes first, and then out of God, He speaks into existence mankind. Men and women, we are made in His image. And we were created to live in His presence. And so we are made in His image, and His likeness, and we are made to live in His presence. And the Bible reveals this is how we experience blessing. God designed us to live in Him and with Him, in relationship with Him. And this is the only way that we experience blessing. And this is the way we begin to understand the order and the identity that has been given to us. Did you catch that? It's a given identity to us. Now, we live in a culture that's rejected that story, that's rejected that truth about God. In fact, we live in a culture that says there is no created order and there is no order to life. And so the common human desire is for blessing. And so we live in a culture where where people are pursuing blessing. They're looking for blessing, but not in God. They're looking for it, within themselves. And so in our culture, this is the thinking that we are surrounded by, and that we too have been influenced by. It's found in individualistic expressiveness. So it's an individual expression that we try to create order, and we see that in our culture everywhere, where people look for blessing, and identity, and meaning, and self-improvement. They look for it within because They have rejected God as creator, and because God is rejected as creator, there is no order or meaning or purpose in creation. Rather, it's just a random happenstance of chemicals and different elements that have come together to randomly produce life. And so because of this lack of order, lack of understanding of God, The only thing that is left for people is to try to discover themselves, to be themselves, to find themselves. And so we hear this every day. Find yourself, be yourself, right? Be your best, find your own identity. Self-made, self-determined. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. Does that sound familiar? It's everywhere. And we need to be honest, folks. We're influenced by this. This is the, the culture, the environment that we've been formed by, it's it shaped our thinking in so, so many ways. And the Bible has one word for this thinking. It's called sin. It's called sin. <laughs> it's a, a rejection of God, and it's, it's the exaltation of self over God. It's rejecting God's story and saying, we're going to make and define our own story. Sin is defined as missing the mark. You know, we think we know what is good. We think we know what will bring us blessing, but we really don't know what is good. But that's the human condition. We're all grasping, looking for what is good, looking what will bring us blessing, but we've missed it. And so God, in His grace, (laughs) steps in and reveals to us what is good, what will bring blessing to our lives, what we were created to be, who we were created to be, He gives us an identity. He gives us meaning, purpose, and hope. And this is the beautiful story of God. And He's inviting us to be in His story. Like, because we've been so affected by this culture, we, we kind of think, oh, we'll just include God in our lives. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll give Him permission to come into our lives. But that's not—that's so off base. Who are we to tell God to come in or leave when we want? No, it's, it's God's story. He's the center of it all. He invites us into his story. You see, it's so different. It's such a different foundation when we understand that we have great value and worth, but we're not the center of it all. God is. He's the center of it all. As we dive into... Uh, Before we go into Deuteronomy and Exodus, I want to pray with you out of Psalm 119. If you would just close your eyes, and maybe this can be your prayer today as we open God's Word. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your decree, that I might follow it to the end. Are you here this morning to learn from God? Teach me, O God. Give me understanding that I might keep your law and obey it with all my heart. With all of our hearts, Lord, direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. And that's our prayer today, is that we would see that God's commands aren't burdensome. Rather, they bring joy, they bring delight. Turn my heart toward your statues and not toward selfish gain. Lord, we crucify the flesh and its desires. We declare that this life is not about us, it's about you and your glory, and that you alone are the way to life. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Help us to hear, God. Let us be hearers of the word, doers of the word. Fulfill your promise to your servant that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace that I dread, for your laws are good. Lord, we don't know what's good. Only you are good. Teach us what's good. Reveal to us what's good. Help us to see what is truly good in you, Lord. How I long for your precepts and your righteousness. Oh, isn't that good news, Lord? It's your righteousness, not ours. It's not what we can do, not what we have done, but it is your righteousness that preserves my life. It preserves our lives. Life is found in you, Lord. We give you praise. So before we read uh, in Exodus and Deuteronomy, There's a story I've been thinking about all week because we're going to be in the fourth command, which is about Sabbath, Sabbath rest. And this is a big topic, and there's a lot of different ideas, a lot of things that people have thought about it. But um, in Luke chapter 5, there's an interesting story. Uh, Jesus... um, was in Capernaum, which is a little town by the Sea of Galilee. Um, I, I had the opportunity to go there, and it's not a very big place. It's a very small place. Seems very insignificant, but that's where Jesus chose to begin his ministry and begin to, to proclaim the kingdom of God. And uh, he had a crowd that were lis- was listening to him, and and they were pressing in, and he was right by the lake shore And so he saw Peter, who was a fisherman, also his name is uh, Simon, but uh, James and John were also there, and these are all uh, disciples. We know them as, as many of the authors of, of the Bible. But at this point, they're just fishermen, and uh, they weren't fishing for pleasure. This was their job. They, they were trying to feed their families. They were trying to make a way in this world, and, and Jesus asked them a question. He says, can I use your boat? Can I use your boat? <laughs> and uh, that's kind of my prayer for today, is, is do we have room for Jesus in our lives. Because Peter and John, they were busy. They were working on their nets. And as it says in Luke chapter 5, he had finished speaking to the crowd, and he said to Simon Peter, he said, "Uh, put it into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And so Jesus used their boat. They gave him permission to use his boat, and they had been fishing. And then his answer was, Master, we've worked hard all night. Have any of you put an all-nighter in? Have any of you worked hard all night? Fishing's not an easy job, and we haven't caught anything. We haven't caught anything. An all-night working hard labor job trying to find some fish, and they haven't caught anything. Boy, if there's anything that describes sometimes the human existence. (laughs) Do you ever feel like you put in all-night work, and you don't got anything to show for it? I felt that way before. Boy, this is, this is just like the story of Genesis of the curse, where, where God says you're gonna labor, you're gonna work the ground, you're gonna, you're gonna work hard, and all you're gonna have to show for it is weeds, thistles. Boy. But Jesus said, because you say so, Peter said to Jesus, because Jesus said, go throw out your nets. He said, I will let down the nets. Isn't that interesting? Jesus wasn't a fisherman. Peter was a fisherman. He worked hard all night. He didn't catch anything, but he said, Jesus, because you said so, because your word, because you said so, I'm going to go back out. I'm going to throw my nets in one more time. And when they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they filled both boats so full they were about to sink. Now, now remember, this isn't fishing for pleasure. This is their livelihood. I mean, this is like winning the lottery here. I mean, this is a bunch of money that all of a sudden they have. God's provided for them. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, he fell on his knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then, Ji- then Simon Then Jesus said to Simon, and by the way, this is one of the most common phrases in the Bible, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats to shore and left everything to follow him. Wow. Making room for Jesus, making room for God in our lives. And here's the dilemma. Peter, he needs to survive. He needs to eat (laughs) He has a job to do. He's he's got a full night of work and he's got a full day of work. And yet, Jesus said, Make room for me. Make room for me. Will you listen to me? And I think this is the the Sabbath issue. Will we make room for God? So, would you uh, show on the screens? uh, We're going to read Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. And I'm going to ask you to stand. It's been a while since we've stood together in honor of God's word. So we're going to stand as we read this this morning. And I'm going to read both accounts out of the, the Ten Commandments, both out of Exodus and then later Deuteronomy. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you should labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, For six days the Lord made the heavens, and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed, there's that word, blessed, the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now let's read in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you should labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your sons, or daughters, nor your male, female servants, your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that you, your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. You may be seated. I want to make five quick observations (laughs) out of these accounts. By the way, notice between Deuteronomy and Exodus, in Deuteronomy, he adds the story of being rescued. It's interesting that in both these accounts, the, the rationale for the giving of the command, or the word, is creation and salvation. Creation and salvation. Hold that up. Hold those words. Creation, salvation. That's important. Creation, salvation. Five points. Here's the one, first one. Work is good. Work is good. (laughs) Nowhere in the scripture is work minimized. In fact, work is celebrated and it is declared as good. In fact, when God created Adam and Eve before sin and the curse came into creation, what did God give Adam and Eve? Work. Responsibility. We were created to be creative. (laughs) We were created to be uh, able to produce and to make and to give and to serve and to um, make things. And so God gave Adam and Eve work. And I believe through all of eternity, when God restores all of creation and we are resurrected with God, we will have work. In fact, the Bible hints over and over we will be given responsibility. And we will be given work. We will be given things to do for God's glory. So work is good. In fact, the the places I've been in the world where people don't have work are some of the most depressing, saddest places I've ever been. We thrive, and we're blessed in work. And so God created work. So that's point number one. God gives us a pattern. Six days of work, one day of rest. Do you see that pattern? Six days of work, one day of rest. Notice, too, that especially in Exodus, the way he phrases it, when he talks about the seventh day, the rest, the day of rest, what does he say? It's the Sabbath to the Lord your God. So it's God-centered rest. God-centered rest. In fact, this is one of the most important things we can take from what God is revealing to us, is that there is no rest outside of God. He is the author of rest, because He is the creator of everything. (laughs) So everything we see, everything we experience in this life created by God, God at the center of all things, the very rest that we desire cannot be found outside of Him. In fact... In the story of Genesis, Cain and Abel come to worship God, and Cain rejects God and and disobeys God and murders his brother. And what is the, the curse that is placed on Cain? He became a restless wanderer. He was separated from God. And so the Sabbath day to the Lord, remember, God is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of rest. And so here's the relational link this will, this will help us understand all 10 words, all 10 commandments. There's a link between the first two, which is honor God above all other gods, honor God's name, don't misuse God's name, and then this third, or four, third command, which is about the Sabbath rest, which is found in God. And so what this is doing is this is creating for us an order, a priority for how life functions, how life works. And so Jesus summed it up this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor. And so the the whole revealed command, the whole revealed order of God's comes down to two main priorities, loving God and loving others. And the Sabbath becomes the application of that. This command is the link, the application link between loving God, honoring God, seeing God's worth above all other things, and being able to be a blessing to love others. And that's what the rest of the commands are, is about loving others. It's about our relational ability to love others. That's what the Ten Commandments are about. And so we see loving God and loving others. This is God's order. This is God's priority. And Sabbath becomes the way to remember that order because we forget, <laughs> and we get our lives all out of order. We do it all the time. It's interesting with kids. It's like we clean the house, and then what happens? It's a mess, <laughs> and, I, and it seems like we're just always cleaning. I like to I like just have like a little holster with a broom all the time, because I'm always sweeping the floor, right? It, it moves from order to disorder. Have you noticed that? Have you observed that? And so we got to remember the order that God created. We have to remember. Week after week, day after day, we have to remember what's priority, what's important. This is countercultural. In the little study guide uh, that we put together, there's stories. And we need stories of, of how people have applied this and, and lived this out. And um, one of the men we highlight in there is a man named Eric Little. He was, uh, he was an Olympian from uh, England and one of the fastest men uh, of, uh, in England. And uh, he won several gold medals. But... But many of you have maybe seen the movie or heard the story but uh, called Chariots of Fire. And uh, he said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And so he loved to run. He was fast. God gifted him that, and he did it for God's glory. But the story became known because uh, several of his meets happened to happen on a Sunday. But he said, my priority is God. And so he didn't participate. He said no to a gold medal. And he said yes to worshiping God. Now, very few of us can relate to that because how many of us get a chance to run for a gold medal? (laughs) But what's awesome about Eric's story is this wasn't a one-time thing. He lived his whole life with God as the center priority. In fact, he dedicated his life to serving God in China and ended up dying in a Japanese internment camp. And the the characterization of his life was joy for God. (laughs) He loved God. That was the characters of his life. But we have a hard time relating to that. The other story that's in there that I think we can relate to more is a, is a man named uh, Truett Cathy. And he and his brother grew up impoverished uh, through the Great Depression. And he and his brother uh, were entrepreneurial. And so they started a little restaurant where they made chicken sandwiches. And, um, and very early on as they started this business, they made a commitment. They said, we're going to have certain priorities in our lives. And God comes first, and our relationships come second. That's, they, they set that into place. And what's interesting is we talk about foundations, storms, and what happened to Truett is, is his brother died in an accident. And so it was only him and his wife, and they had this business. And, and it, it, sometimes we think, you know, I will honor God and I will love others once I'm successful. <laughs> right? Once I have everything. But what really is important to us comes out in the storm, right? When it's difficult. And they weren't successful. They, they had this little business, but they made this commitment. We're not going to serve sandwiches on Sunday. We're gonna worship God, and we're gonna make time for our relationships. And they made that decision, not when they were successful, when, when they didn't have anything. But God blessed their their business, and, and we know their business today as Chick-fil-A, right? It's one of the most successful chicken sandwiches. And, and so I tell you that story because one of the things that I read about him as he handed off the business to his kids is he said, the most important thing is priorities. Priorities. And that's what the Ten Commandments are. It's, it's priorities. What, what's important in life? What really matters? How will we order? It's that grounding in the sacred order. Now, does that mean we're all going to be billionaires and millionaires? No, the Bible doesn't promise that. And if you look at Eric Little's story, he lived for the joy and the glory of God. He ordered his life, but for him it meant dying in, in a concentration camp with the Japanese. But there's, a, there's an ordering of our lives that brings a blessedness, that brings a blessedness that God intends for all of us because he designed us for that. So the third point is we need to make room in our hearts and our schedules for God. I think this is what Sabbath is all about. It's it's making room in your life and your heart for God. One of the best ways that I think we can characterize Sabbath is walking with God, walking with God. One of the things I loved about meeting my wife in Chicago is we went on long walks together in the city, and that's how our love grew, and we got to know each other, is, is walking together. It's, it's relational. Adam and Eve walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. Abraham walked with God. Moses walked with God. The disciples walked with Jesus. We are called to walk with God. There's a couple dangers when we talk about making room in our hearts for God, because one of the biggest battles Jesus had with the Pharisees was legalism over this issue of Sabbath. And so one of the dangers is we can turn a gift that God gives into something that we mandate for ourselves or for others. And so what's the fruit of that? Judgment, criticism, and it misses the whole point. Jesus said, you miss the whole point. The Sabbath, man, you weren't created for the Sabbath. God gave the Sabbath to you. It was created for you. God did this for us to bless us. The Sabbath, it could also reveal our tendency towards idolatry. Because if it feels like a burden, then it's not a blessing. And God never intended it to be a burden. He intended it to be a blessing. And he intended it for us to experience pleasure and joy. How did Jesus spend his Sabbaths? It's really interesting. We don't have time to explore this, but go and, and look up every time it says it was a Sabbath and what Jesus did. He, and I like what John Piper calls this. He calls it pray and play pray and play. He made time for people during the Sabbath. For him, it was a time to celebrate the gifts of God. And he loved being with people. One of the things the Pharisees said, Jesus, you you play too much. You spend too much time eating and drinking and hanging out. (laughs) And then other people criticized Jesus said, you spend too much time praying, too much time seeking God. And so he couldn't, everyone was criticizing. But Jesus made room for God, and it meant pray and play. It says that He healed on the Sabbath. God isn't looking for sacrifice. He's looking for mercy and goodness. He's producing something good in us. The fourth point is when we rest in God, we experience His provision and His salvation. And we see that one of the things Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount is that the greatest signs of idolatry is, is anger and worry. When we have all these desires that are in us and we're fighting God's order, it produces anger and, and judgment towards others and broken relationships. There's so much destruction from fear and worry and anxiety. But when we rest in God, what do we experience? Salvation, and we experience His blessing. And the last point, and this is made over and over in both Deuteronomy and Exodus, is God rested not because He was tired, but because He wanted to delight. In his work. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? God wanted to delight in his work. God is a God of pleasure and joy and satisfaction. And so what we have is this pattern where, where, where there's, a, there's a place in our lives to work hard, to use what God has given us, but then there's a time to step back and enjoy what God has given us, to delight and his goodness and delight and all his provision. In the book of Hebrews, it talks a lot about Sabbath, because this is central to God's plan and purpose in our lives. Um, in Hebrews chapter four, and I think it'll be on the screen. I want you to read this. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter that rest, so God God's invitation is to rest. Jesus said, "Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden." Are there any weary people here today? Jesus says, come to me, make room for me. Today, if you hear his voice, hear his voice. It starts with his word, his invitation. That's what Peter heard. Jesus said, do you have room in your boat? And then he said, cast out your nets. Will we we hear what he says? Do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. A Sabbath rest for the people of God. For everyone who enters God's rest. Whose rest? God's rest. A Sabbath day to the Lord. It's not about us. (laughs) It's about God. Just as God did from His, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. It's about priorities. How will we order our lives? What decisions will we make about what's important for our lives so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience for the word of god see the connection word of god entering his rest word of god entering his rest you can't separate those two it comes from hearing the word of god is alive and active sharper than any double edged sword so remember sabbath reveals our priorities first command Honor God. Love God with all your hearts. So don't misuse his name. And then all the rest of the commands. It's sharper. It exposes. It penetrates to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You see, God loves us. <laughs> In Hebrews it says God loves, the, it disciplines those he loves. He wants to train us. He wants to transform us. See, we don't, we're not under the law. We don't have to do this stuff to earn God's favor. God already blessed us. He already chose us. He already loved us. He chose you. You didn't choose him. (laughs) He included you in his story. It's about him saving us. It's his grace. Nothing in all of creation is is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him of whom we must give an account. It's so interesting in the story of of the exodus, as the Israelites are leaving Egypt. uh, 40 years of training, discipline. God has some training, discipline for all of us. He's using storms. He's using situations with your family, with your job, whatever you're going through. He's using that wilderness hardship. He's using it in your life. God was teaching the Israelites something about Sabbath rest because the Israelites kept saying, we want the fish out of Egypt. (laughs) We miss Egypt. You forgot you were slaves, but but we miss the fish. (laughs) Slavery was terrible, but we miss the fish. It's these patterns of this world that we get shaped by, but God is is shaping our hearts. That that sword, his word, he's He's affecting our hearts. He's teaching us about trust. And they said, we want the fish. And what did God give them? Manna. every day, manna. He gave them bread every day, provision every day. He gave them what they needed every day. He gives us what we need every day. God, Lord, give us today our daily bread. He gives us bread. He gives us what we need. This is what he taught the disciples. He said, throw your nets in. The fish, God's provision are there. Rest, make room for me. And what would happen when the Israelites tried to get too much manna? It says, the manna went bad. It got filled with maggots. You see, this is the trap. We think if we just work more and work more and work more and work more, and we never rest in God, we never make room for God, we never make room for play, what's going to happen? We get maggots. <laughs> it rots. It stinks. It's no good. This is what God is telling us. He's warning us. There's a, there's a sacred order. There's a grounding There's a foundation for our lives to experience his blessing. And so what's the invitation? Will we make room for God to receive his blessing? Jesus said, man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for man. It's not a regulation. It's not a duty. It's not a mandate. It's not an obligation. But it's an invitation to walk with God. What is God doing? What's he inviting us into to experience his healing, his restoration? Revelation 3.20 says, Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, you see that connection between God's word and what he wants to do? If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, do you have room for God? (laughs) Do you have room for him? I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. See, God comes in, and what does he do? He gives himself. He shares, and we receive, and we rest. And there's peace. There's fellowship. It's so interesting, and I'll have the musicians come on up as we close here. It's so interesting. If we look at Peter, James, and John, who were fishermen, and we look at their story, and at the end of John, John chapter 21, after Jesus has been crucified, and it says Jesus resurrected, and the disciples, what do they decide to do? They say, let's go fishing. And so they go out, and they go fishing, and it says the same thing. They go out all night long, all night long, and they don't catch anything. And so there they are, tired, exhausted, worn out in their boat and they see a fire, a campfire on the beach, and Jesus is there, and he yells out, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. They hear his word, they, they throw it out, and they catch this huge catch of fish. <laughs> and Peter, he makes the connection. He's like, that's Jesus. He jumps out of the boat. He gets to the shore. But here's this, here's the deal. Jesus already had bread and fish on the fire. He already had the provision for them. (laughs) He said, come, let's eat. Come, let's eat. And then he asked Peter a question. He says, Peter, do you love these more than me? And I think what he was talking about was the fish. I mean, he could have been referring to other things, but I think he was talking about the fish. It's about making room our priority. He said, do you love me, Peter? It's that first command. Do we love God? It's our priorities. It's the ordering of our lives. Do you love me, Peter? And then he said, Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. There's provision in God. And this, this, is the, this is the crux of the Sabbath. If we make room for God, he will provide for our needs. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Lord, it's, it's ministering to me right now, Lord. I need you, Lord. I'm desperate for you, Lord. Lord, forgive me for the times where I've fished all night, looking for blessing outside of you. Lord, forgive us. Lord, we want to order our lives around you. You made us. You created us with so much worth, so much beauty. Lord, help us to live in that, to rest in that, to rest in the identity that you give us you call us children you call us beloved you gave your life for us lord let us rest in that identity and not try to earn it try to get it but to rest and then help us to enjoy your gifts lord our families our friends those relationships that you've given us to really embrace what you've given us